Today's episode is sponsored by ChrisTaylorRacing.com. Welcome to Driven to Compete, where we interview badass, high-performing individuals to learn more about their competitive spirit and share their stories as a form of inspiration for our community. Well, here today with Spencer Boyd, who races for NASCAR, and a ton of accolades. Um, I want to talk a little bit about like, kind of what you're doing right now, and then we'll talk about how you kind of came through the ranks and everything. Um, there, there's one thing, and after looking at your profile a little bit, one thing that stood out to me, but I'm, I won't mention it now because I do, I do want to bring it up. But it's one of those things where I was just in shock. I was like, how is this possible for one person? Um, but tell us a little bit about um, the team you're on and what you're racing right now. Yeah, so right now I'm at Young's Motorsports, uh, drive the 12 truck. I've uh, been at YMS for five years now, so it's, it's been a fun journey. Uh, kind of got my start in NASCAR in the Xfinity Series full-time racing, and then uh Kind of stepped back, looked at it, and realized, you know, trucks is more of where I wanted to be, liked the schedule, uh, felt like the tracks fit my style better. Uh, so that's what landed me at YMS, and uh, been there five years now, and uh, we're a Chevy team, and, and just getting better uh, year after year, and was able to bring the team their first win. So that's probably part of the reason why I'm still here, you know. Uh, but it's been a fun journey, and, and this year, uh, five races in, and, and just picking up uh, where we left off last year and, and just trying to get better and better. Awesome. So I want to go back to how this all started for you. Um, what, what was your first thing that you did that kind of got you hooked into racing? And how old were you? Yeah, I uh, started racing dirt bikes at four. And uh, super young. It was crazy. I could ride a bike without training wheels at like just over two and it just turned into this deal where I guess my parents were like, well, let's see what he can do next. And, uh, you know, then it was like four-wheelers, dirt bikes, and I uh, got into go-karts at five and uh, did dirt bikes and go-karts till about seven. And uh, mom wasn't a big fan of uh, the kids getting hurt on dirt bikes and really pushed for the go-kart deal. And I uh, fell in love with it. The go-kart, I, like, I loved the dirt bike. But I was like mid-pack kid, you know, and I uh, had the fake birth certificate to go race with five-year-olds. And um, I was doing my thing, and I really liked it. But go-karts, maybe it was like my dad's experience, uh, you know, a little bit of experience working on them, uh, being able to be really competitive, like, right out of the gate. So, uh, like, a dirt bike term on a go-kart. <laughs> yeah. Um, and just fell in love with go-kart racing and, and traveled all over the country doing it. So where were you living at that time? St. Louis, Missouri. So grew up there. Um, I lived in St. Louis till I was 14. So a lot of my go-kart racing, you know, home base was, was Missouri and racing in the Midwest and then quickly turned into traveling all over. So what type of go-karts did you have? You progressed through different classes and things? Yeah, so started uh, road course asphalt racing. So a lot of people in NASCAR, you know, come from like dirt go-karts and, and things like that. So I came more of the like open wheel style, um, ran four cycle, two cycle, tag was getting really popular back then, so I was racing tag 60, and uh, that was a ton of fun. I mean, tag 60 felt like a rocket ship compared to a little four cycle go-kart, 
Uh, and then I was at the transition from the flathead Briggs to the animal motor and not and the um, world formula motor. And there was like a lot of different classes to run. So for my age group, I could run like six races a weekend. And that was a lot of fun because you could get a lot of laps and you were learning different uh, speeds, right? You'd like hop in the flathead and, you know, it had a ton of bottom end, but not a lot of top end. Then you get in the animal and, you know, down the straightaways, it was way faster, but you had to keep your momentum up through the tight sections. And then the tag, it was like, you couldn't do anything wrong. You could just whip that thing around and you just wanted it as loose as could be. And uh, you were almost like drifting through the corners more, more or less. But um, I really enjoyed go-kart racing. I think for me, that was probably the most fun uh, thing that I've ever driven. It's kind of hard to believe after all the different things I've got to drive over the years, but uh, I still have a, I got a Tag 125 that I take out to GoPro uh, probably every few weeks uh, and just practice, just have fun. So um, I read something um, about you winning the go-kart worlds for like 11 years or something like that? Yeah, it was crazy. So uh, I won um, 11 championships in like seven years. So it was like a lot of different um championships from national karting, um, WK, World Karting Association, and then a bunch of regional championships. Uh, like one or two years, I was fortunate to win like Great Lakes, Midwest, and then the national championship as well. So a uh, bunch of different stuff. We were racing like 35 weekends a year. And like I said, four to six classes a weekend. And, uh, that was all my mom and dad. Um, obviously, financially, was my mom and dad. And then um, my dad worked on everything. So, uh, you know, when you had four carts going every weekend, that was a lot to maintain for him and a lot to keep track. And then uh, mom was super involved, you know. Like, I remember back in the day, she had, you know, six stopwatches. That was before they had one where you had, like, six on one. Yeah. And then uh, we were part of that transition. So then she had 12, six on each. And she's like, you know, after practice, she would have everyone's lap times and all the data back before, like, my race pass and all that fun stuff. So, uh I joke around, I tell my parents all the time, I'm like, we did it the hard way. Like, yeah. You know, you didn't have GoPros back then, so dad was, you know, handy cam watching, and, you know, we were watching film back then, and doing a lot of things that you do today, but uh, it was more complicated back then, but I think a lot of people weren't doing it. So, you know, when the Micron came around, and you could start getting lap segments, and look at the data, and I was doing that at, you know, 9, 10 years old, so you could really stand out just by the amount of effort my parents were putting into it that not everyone was. Now it's like rocket science. You know, everybody is, you know, GoPros and Microns and paying attention to everything to get better quicker. And I think that's what kind of led to us winning a lot of races is we are just better prepared. So was it just you? Did you have anybody else, like, racing with you or just you and your parents? Just me and my parents, yeah. yeah. So um, over the years, you know, I being from St. Louis – Kind of got my start with Margay because Margay carts are out of St. Louis and Keith Reber and uh, he was always pushing like you know go toward Indy like you know get an Indy Lights do all this stuff like that and you know run scoos out west and uh, just financially that seemed pretty unrealistic and uh, we kind of determined like we're we're going to be the four cycle guy we're going to go after this and there were a lot of racetracks around that we could run so we focused on that. And then we were kind of a part of the Margay family. So when you went to the racetrack, there were, you know, four or five kids in each division, you know, parked together. And at that age, you know, it's like 8 to 12, then like 13 to 16. So um, 
pretty small like click in each group and we were really good so it seemed like you know we were helping them more than they were helping us at times so uh at the time coyote was winning a lot of races and bandit was winning a lot of races and um we were doing well but kind of felt like we needed to make a change and that was tough it kind of felt like i didn't know then but it was like a breakup you're like yeah you know, we're leaving and we're going to bandit so went to bandit and started racing their stuff and they really had it down to a science as far as like the group and saying you know here's a setup b setup you guys pick what you want to go and then they were like having meetings after practice and really like engineering this thing to be competitive and what we noticed was you know i would be like fourth in practice with margay and we would race really well and then you know my teammate per se would be like seventh and ten where bandit would be you know one two three four and you're like how do they, you know, every driver's a little bit different. They got different lines and they're all fast. So once I went to that, then we really started winning a lot and um, had that team atmosphere. And then I had to realize, you know, I, I had to work with other people. I was kind of <laughs> used to just doing my own thing. And, you know, parents put me on a pedestal type deal. And it was like, you know, well, this kid's faster than me in practice. Like, I'm not okay with that. <laughs> and the excuses are gone. So. Yeah. Uh, but tons of fun. Uh, like I said, it was what I loved about go-kart racing compared to like doing other sports was I could go have a good day and be really proud of myself. And I could go have a bad day and like spend the next five days thinking about what I need to do better. And I could have those conversations with my parents like, Oh, they're better in this corner. They're better in that corner. You know, oh, maybe I got tired. Like, you know, some of these races were pretty long for, you know, a 10 year old, but uh, that's what stood out to me and made me really realize that about nine or 10 years old, like, I don't want to play baseball. I don't want to play hockey anymore. I did all that other stuff and just realized racing was like my passion. Yeah, that's awesome. So when's the first time you stepped out? Maybe not. You probably still were in the go-karts, but when you started getting into the, more of the cars? So I raced go-karts um, kind of all over the place up until about 12 years old and then realized needed to get in something bigger. Now, take it back. I was 11 years old and I was watching legend cars on TV and Thunder Roadsters and everything's in North Carolina and the summer shootout, you probably heard of it was, you know, sponsored and uh, it was like Bojangles summer shootout and all this and it was all on TV and I'm like, man, that's where I need to be. I can do that. You know, every 11 year old, you know, <laughs> if I drove the 88 car, I'd be Dale Jr. You know, so you had all these uh, visions for yourself and, uh, I had my own computer, so I uh, jumped on eBay, saw that commercial, and uh, I bid on a legend car, and I was 11 years old. <laughs> but I knew what a good deal was. So this legend car pops up for like $5,500. And I'm like, you know, I got that. So I definitely didn't. So I uh, <laughs> bought it, like click bid. Next thing you know, it pops up, you won. Shit. Uh, what now? So good to my dad. I'm like, you just bought a legend car. <laughs> Check this out. You know, so it was like my computer, but it was like family computer. So yeah. like my parents never used it because they like already had like laptops and stuff. So I'm like on the family computer. It's my idea of playing video games, NASCAR 2003 and all that stuff. So um, dad's like, well, we can't buy that. You did. <laughs> we won. You know, I really didn't understand the whole process of why we weren't going to get it. So called my my dad's like, you got to call your grandpa. So uh, called my papa and 
we made it happen, got the legend car, and realized you couldn't race it till you were 13. So uh, that kind of answers the question of, I didn't get into a bigger car. Uh, I got in a Bandolero for just like a win, a winner out here in North Carolina. We were flying back and forth, and I hated it. Like, this Bandolero is so slow. Uh, the go-karts are faster. You're like laid down. I didn't like it. I was a kid racing four-cycle when everyone laid down, and I was like sitting up like I was two-cycle racing. Uh, and then got in a legend car at 13. Cool. So, I mean, what, still take me through the progression. The legend car. Then, um, <clears throat> I was as I was reading your bio, it just seemed like every time you progressed, you would come into something new and win all but one race. Yeah. And then you go to the next and win all but one race. I was like, it, I is, mean, it was nuts. Um, and I got to remember those days because you know, like nowadays, it's it's so much more difficult. But um, got in a legend car. And at 13, and ran, hand, like, say a handful, but probably like 10, 15 races that year, which wasn't a lot compared to, like, these kids are racing Thursday through Sunday out here in North Carolina. So we would fly down, race one race, fly home, you know, we were doing our thing, and we were competitive, like top fives, but we weren't winning races. So dad was, like, real aggravated about that. <laughs> He's like, you know, need to be winning we're not flying out here, you know, to be friends with people. So, I'm like, okay, you know, I can do it. We got to get better stuff. Man, you know, the whole just do the best you can with what you got type deal. And realized need to move out here because these kids are racing three, four nights a week. And uh, talked to my parents into leaving their 20-year jobs. Uh, I was 13 when we had that conversation. And took, I mean, that was 09. And finally moved in 2010. Took 11 months to sell the house. Economy was a disaster. Yeah. Uh, you know, diesel fuel was nuts. Flights were high. And it was like, you know, if we're going to do this, we got to move. Can't afford to keep flying back and forth every weekend. So move out here and then started racing three, four nights a week. And then really started running well. And you know, win a couple races, but wasn't like dominating. And then coming from go-karts, it was like, the expectation is to like move up and win and you know as soon as you get to the next level you're already looking at the next level mm -hmm. like as a kid you're already like okay i'm doing this what am i going to do next it's like we'll figure this out so um then i ran legend cards for a while so 15 16 17 years old i was racing legend cards and um was winning a ton i mean uh one year there we won 23 out of 43 races, finished second 12 times. So you like did the number and it was like, we were first or second every time. Yeah. Deal. And then no DNFs. And I was, you know, dad wasn't working on the car anymore. I was driving for uh, Kyle, Kyle Beatty at first and then went to Ryan Farbo and was really stoked to go to Ryan Farbo because he didn't have as many drivers on the team. So Kyle and I are still friends to this day. And he was kind of the guy that took a lot of people to the racetrack, gave a lot of people their start and opportunity to be competitive. And then you saw people branch off and go to teams that only had, you know, two or three drivers and between different ages. And you could really, like, dominate that way. So we started doing that. And then just when started coming, it was, you know, eight in a row, 12 in a row. You're like, this is crazy. Uh, and we were racing all over the southeast. And then I went to, you know, it was kind of that point where, I'm sitting there telling my parents, we got to go get a full-size stock car. 
My parents are like, oh, you need to keep racing legend cars. I hadn't won the national championship yet. And second, third, fifth, like all over it and just kept stepping on it and not making it happen. So uh, I'm like, we got to go late model racing. My parents are like, you're just not ready yet. Like, we want to go. When you get to the next level, you want to be ready to go. You know, you need to master this before you move on. I'm like, we got to go late model racing. My parents are like, you're just not ready yet. Like, we want to go. When you get to the next level, you want to be ready to go. You know, you need to master this before you move on. But I was watching all these other kids, like Austin Sendrick and Hemrick and, I mean, the list goes on. Ben Rhodes, I was racing him a ton back in Legend Cars. And Stephen Parsons and those guys, they're all moving up. They're getting in late models at 17, 18 years old, and I'm still racing Legend Cars, and I feel like I'm going backwards. And at that point, there's a lot of other things going on in your life that, you know, you're thinking about graduating high school, your buddies are going to college, and it's like, I need to make this racing thing work, or I need to jump off this ship and realize it's not going to happen. And that conversation happened a lot with my parents of, you know, they didn't really have the dollars to go to the next level, and I was aggravated, you know, like talky as heck, and, you know, Hadn't gotten in a full-size stock car yet. I was 17 and, you know, just wasn't happy with where things were. So I start coaching some of these guys in legend cars. And there's this master's division, which is 40 and up. So this guy's like, hey, you know, like, give me some pointers. And I'm like, all right, you know, so I'm like making a little bit of cash. This is cool. And I was going to high school, working at the car wash, working at the legend car shop and just making a whole lot, you know, go on. So this guy's like, I'd love for you to run my late model. And I'm like, man, you know, I don't have the money. Then like this other team calls, I want you to test our late model. You know, it's 30 grand. It's 50 grand to run two races and test five times. And like all this astronomical numbers compared to like what we were used to. My parents are like, can't do it, can't do it, can't do it. I'm like, well, this is it. Like, and I kind of had that like approach of like, well, if y'all can't do it, what are we even doing? Mm-hmm. You know, what? At some point, I need to just go to a four-year college and say that this was all a pipe dream. You know? And you're like really upset about it. <clears throat> so keep getting all these calls, and it's super expensive. And finally, that guy calls back that was kind of like the first guy, Scott Whitaker. And he's like, hey, man, you know, you really need to get in this super truck. And I'm like, dude, I don't have any effing money. So he calls me on my 18th birthday. I'm like, dude, quit effing calling me. I'm 18 years old. Like, I feel like I can talk that way now. So I'm like, I don't have any money. It's not going to work out. Sorry. Like, whatever. And he's like, what are you doing today? I'm like, it's my birthday. Hanging out with the family. Legend car guys are all over at parents' house. And we're just hanging out. And he's like, if you're going to make it in racing, I'm like, look, I know how to make it in racing. Which I had no idea. I'm like, I know how to make it in racing. And he's like, you need to get in a full-size stock car. I'm like, I know, but I can't afford it. He's like, just come down here and let's have a conversation. So go to my dad. I'm like, hey, we got like in this birthday party. Like, we got to go. We got to go to this shop. We got to talk to this guy. My dad's like, man, you know, like, we'll go talk to him. Cool, but like, you know, he's going to want stupid money. Like, this isn't going to work out, but let's go. So you know, I'm like, eat the cake. You know, let's go. Get out of here. I'm, I'm racing. So we leave. 
drive from Concord down to Rock Hill, South Carolina. Didn't even know what Rock Hill was, never heard of it. And I uh, get down there, and this shop is, you know, like, don't want to discredit Scott, but it's, like, not well lit. Not, you know, it's, like, small town race team. And I'm, like, man, I'm, I've been to some other shops, and they're, like, super nice. And I'm, like, man, this guy, like, runs okay for, like, this place not looking insanely nice, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, my dad's, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if you should drive it. Like, you know, people are paying attention. You've been winning a lot. If you go out there and suck, you know, like, it's kind of end of the road. I'm like, well, it kind of feels like the end of the road anyway. Yeah. Let's do it. So, dad's like, all right. And they're like, we're racing next weekend. Shit. Here we go. <laughs> so, went out there and, and finished third in my first super truck race out of, like, 20 at Hickory. Kind of a tougher track and pretty historic and, you know, stock car realm. And uh, then it just snowballed. It was like, hey, you know, you had a couple other drivers. He's like, you know, let's figure out financially how to make this work. But, you know, like, we want to win races. So we think over time you can do this. So like, sold the legend car stuff. Never got back in a legend car again. Was just focused on, uh, you know, getting to a bigger car. So ran that one truck race and then took like a month off. And then it was like, okay, hey, like, let's get you in a late model. And uh, need to run the fall brawl. And I'm like, how much is that? And he like tells my parents and myself, you know, smoke a deal. Like, what other kids are spending on tires. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, we got to do this. Yeah. So parents, you know, make it all happen. We go out there. Fall brawl is a big deal. I, I had no idea. You know, I wasn't like paying attention to that stuff that much. And legend cars were my world at that time. And they're like, fall brawl, there'll be, you know, 45 cars. And I'm like, Whoa. What do you mean? I only ran in one super truck race. And what do you, you want me to get in this? So go do it, qualify 13th. And uh, I'm stoked. My dad's like, that ain't gonna cut. <laughs> you know, like, you're not gonna make a statement. Yeah. Qualifying 13th, you go run mid pack, you're not gonna make a statement. Like, you, you're racing for your life. And I'm like, got it. So went out there, finished second. And just. Never lost a spot all day. It was like, you know, gain two spots, ride there. Gain three spots on another restart, ride there. And we were just getting better and better, and I was getting comfortable and kind of found some things out about the track that felt really good. And then from there, the relationship with Scott Whitaker was like, meshed together. His crew chief, Steve Berardi, and I, we still talk almost daily. And I was there for a few years and uh, basically, you know, won like 18 of 23 races or something like that. Wow. 21 or 25. It was like... We won everything. And uh, I went back and driven their stuff here the last couple of years, and I haven't won yet. But, uh, <laughs> we run second or third every time. I'm like, maybe I was, like, racing for the groceries back then. I don't yeah. know. But, uh, you know, I had a lot of success, and that started to open doors. And winning at Hickory, like, a lot of kids reach out to me, and they're like, you know, hey, I'm, like, winning out here in California, and I want to make it NASCAR. And I'm like, you know, people aren't looking much past, you know, North South Carolina. Like, that's – People in the sport are paying attention to that. So if you can go win there, your name's going to kind of pop up in front of people that are paying attention. And this sport, you know, you still got to have, like, connections, the dollars, the partners to make it all work. But at the end of the day, you got to be on somebody's radar, and that's kind of where you do it. And that's where I got on the radar. And then it, everything happened quick from there. So got into late model at, you know, 18, did two seasons part-time. Like, it wasn't even full-time. Um I was able to run the super truck 
series full time and win the championship because there were only 12 races. But the other series were all 20, 23 races and just couldn't, you know, financially do that. So, um, but when we showed up, we were contenders for sure. And then the door opened to go run a truck race at Martinsville. NASCAR said I didn't have to do any ARCA. I'm like, whoa, most kids got to go invest a lot of time and money in ARCA to get approved. And uh, when you looked at NASCAR, like I look back at it now and I'm like, oh, there just wasn't like a ton of drivers coming into the sport at that time. So they kind of like, you know, made the gate a little wider to let people get in. Mm -hmm. Uh, Where like right now, everybody wants to make it. Everybody wants to be in NASCAR. There's a lot of money being thrown around and, so it's like, okay, we can kind of like stop this up a little bit and make people run ARCA. And, and that's driven the price of late model racing and driven the price up for ARCA racing, but it's made it very competitive and awesome to watch as a series. It's definitely more competitive than it was back then, but I kind of like slipped through and then got in the trucks and it's been lights out ever since eight years now. Man, that's that's something else. I love the story. Um, <laughs> tell me about like what, what has to be your best race or win ever well so like best win ever obviously would be like talladega 2019 you know winning in nascar that was huge um probably means the most to me uh always will and like kind of like solidified my name within like the sport of nascar and um the family name but emotional wins would be like those wins at hickory Honestly, you know, winning eight in a row, it was like fans in the grandstands were going nuts, you know, <clears throat> bounties out, you know, it was like after win four in a row, it was like they were paying people to show up and try and wreck me type deal. And, I was going to say, it, I'm sure if other people in, in the in the class were like, yeah, oh, we don't have a chance. This is ridiculous. It, it was ridiculous. It didn't know it at the time, you know, <laughs> kind of thought it was all me, but uh, and you're, you know, 18, 19 years old, so you're like, I'm, I'm the man. But stuff was good, on point. And over time, I've learned, like, you know, the car matters a lot. The truck, you know, whatever it is, matters a lot. So at that time, you know, every win meant a ton because it meant, like, I got to race another week. And that's where, like, the team was, like, eventually it got to the point where, like, it wasn't costing to go race. It was, like, go win. It's going to pay 1500 bucks. We're going to get to do it again next week. But if you finish third, it pays 300 So, like, need to win. So there were days that like, I would get spun out and go back to, you know, mid-pack and be, you know, 10th. And then, you know, people lapped and stuff like that. So restart 10th and then in five laps win the race. So obviously the truck was really good that I was driving. And things fell my way. It seemed so odd at times. Like, cautions would come out with two to go, and I'd be like, half a track back in third and then boom here's a chance and then would win the race so um those were emotional just because like it meant that i could race again and people were paying attention and social media was getting big people were talking about it and um the nascar stuff the wins are so few and far between you know that that's what makes those really emotional and to bring YMS their first win a few years back was awesome and now Mitch and to do it again and uh, in this sport at this level it's really really tough so uh, you kind of got to set your your goals yep. realistic and, and reset your mind and you know sometimes you're like okay am I getting like too laid back 
you know, like back then I was so aggressive, didn't care what people thought, was just focused on winning races, and now, like, you got to kind of watch what you say, you got to uh, race people with respect, you can't just wreck a guy for the win, and, you know, in our position, you don't want to wreck a guy for 20th, because everyone's like, yeah. why'd you wreck a guy for 20th? And it's like, well, that's all I got, like, this is, everything I got is, throw it on the line, I'm running 20th, so, um, but to be where I am, I, I feel really fortunate and feel like it wasn't expected. Like my parents and I were naive enough to think it was possible, but I think everyone on the outside was like, oh, that's pretty unrealistic. What? I think he's going to make it to NASCAR. And um, that win at Talladega Cowan just solidified like, hey, that's, Boyd family made it. That's right. That's awesome. Any heartbreaks? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's ups and downs for sure, man. Um, you know, kind of part of the story I didn't touch on a lot, but, um, and I don't really like to talk about it that much is like the financial side of it. Like, obviously it's easy to say like, oh, it's tough. Right. But, um, you know, for me, I was selling cars at the dealership with my dad. It was Rick Hendricks dealership. So that definitely like kind of helped being, I worked at a dealership that shared an entrance with Hendrick Motorsports and my late model ended up having Hendrick Motorsports on the side. So a lot of people thought the dollars were endless, but um, there, there was some help for sure, but, um, later on, and then I was going to school for marketing and I was cold calling companies every day and, and trying to find the dollars. Cause you don't just like get a free opportunity in NASCAR, right? Um, you might get a really heavily discounted opportunity and get to go see, you know, if you have what it takes and, and that's kind of all the cards fell into place. And I got to drive for Mike Mittler out of St. Louis. So uh, at one time, it was the oldest truck team. They were at the first race back in the truck series in 1995. And uh, being from St. Louis, it was cool to drive for a team out of that area. Uh, unfortunately, we lost Mike here the last, you know, probably three years ago now. Um, but to get my start there, I mean, Carl Edwards got a start there. Jamin McMurray got a start there, both Missouri guys. So felt really cool. And he gave me a very affordable opportunity to get into NASCAR. And then it was just from there, find partners, build a brand, and figure out how to make this thing go. And that's where the heartbreak is, right? Like you get a little taste of it and you're like, okay, we were running fifth when I wrecked in my first race in 2016 at Martinsville. And then it was like, we pulled out of the racetrack afterwards and it was like, well, that's it. Don't have any other races planned. Don't have any money. To do anything like the sponsor helped cover the race and my parents bought the fire suit and the helmet and the nascar license and it's like you know you know there it is yeah. and it was like well, what are you gonna do then the phone rang and it was like hey you know this team has a race open this team has a race open but you know you need to be able to help support it so got on the phone and next thing you know i went from one race that year to i ran seven and was still selling cars and going to school and made that happen. And then it's like, okay, what's next? It's like, well, we want to go full time. Couldn't do that next year. You know, you're like, go the whole off season. Like I'm gonna figure out how to race full time, 23 races. Next year I ran 12, got three races in and you know, things weren't going right at the organization I was with. And then they like folded up shop. And it was like, well, what do we do now? So then got hooked up with Bobby daughter and next thing you know, I was driving there and then 
ran a total of like 12 races. So thought I was going to run more. Then it looked like I was going to run less. Then it worked out, ran what kind of the quota was. And then it was like, okay, well, got to go full time. And then it was like, can't quit your job unless you're full time racing. And then uh, at that point, I had already got my associate's degree and was working on my bachelor's. And everything was like hitting at once. Right? And I'm still living at home. And then worked out, landed a big, like my first big, big sponsor to go race full time. And then went back to Bobby Daughter and ran full time Xfinity in 2018. And then I've been full time ever since. And um, did that year at Bobby's. We've been like best friends ever since. We talk all the time, but it was just a one year deal and um, one full time year. And then boom, jumped over here at YMS and I've been here. So this business is a lot about networking, a lot about relationships, and you never want to burn a bridge. Mm -hmm. And when you look at it, I've ran truck a ton quite a bit of Xfinity, a little bit of cup, and I've driven for like a lot of different people. And Tyler Young's been awesome enough to, while I've like had this as my main deal of driving the 20 or now the 12 truck, he's like, let me go drive other stuff, you know, drive for uh, Jimmy Means, his son's my crew chief now, it's crazy how the world turns, and then drove a lot for Mario Gosselin, and I drove for Obica, and just a bunch of different teams, and, and some teams that people probably wouldn't jump to to drive at but for me it was like just get more starts get more laps and get experience awesome well how do people get a hold about get a hold of you or learn more about you what's the best way to reach out yeah so i'm all over social uh add me on instagram spencer boyd pr twitter just my name spencer boyd and then uh facebook spencer boyd racing and uh, i'm on there all the time posting behind the scenes and, and just trying to show people what NASCAR is like, and it's not like this glamorous life, right? It's, uh, there's a lot of people working hard to keep me on the racetrack every week, and got some great partners, so follow along. Man, this has been a pleasure. Thank you. Awesome, thanks. Appreciate it. I want to thank you for listening or watching Drive to Compete. It's been a pleasure sharing this episode, and I hope that we've provided some inspiration and entertainment along the way. I absolutely love hearing from you, and I promise... I'll personally respond to every comment, every question, and every request. If you want to connect, start with our website, driventocompete.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter. Whether you reach out or not, please like, subscribe, and share. Until next time, go kick some ass.